Well, we're looking at temptation, and we're in lesson one, and we looked at a few places, but I told you where to sort of turn to. Let me just give you sort of a running start in our study. We're looking at this. We, this is the outline. We started with what is temptation, and is temptation sin? That's sort of the, the introduction. And the second thing is where does temptation come from? And the three key areas, the devil, the world, and the flesh. And we started last week looking at the devil, and I just didn't want to rush through that last part of it. And so we're going to we'll just stop that. We'll, we'll take up there today. If we get through it, which we probably will, we'll go on and begin to look at the world's influence and maybe even get into the flesh. It's just according to what, how much time it is. As we look at the study, we, we want to see the process of temptation, and it is there. And one of the great things to remember is temptation is not sin, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Then we see some examples of temptation in the Scripture, those who failed and those who had victory. And then we're going to talk about how do we deal with temptation the promise from God, or the, it, you could even put the promises, but it, we have got a major promise there, and then the provision. So that's where we are, and this is a, a vital subject. Uh, we face it every day. We face it all the time, almost from the time you wake up, the time you go to bed. That's what we see. We started with the three questions, and just what is temptation? Temptation is the pull to do wrong. It's the temptation to go try, contrary to the Word of God. We know that it's there. It pulls on us. The second one is, it, and it's natural because there's a part of us on the inside in Romans 7, verses 18 through 21, that actually says that there's a natural bent inside of us to sin. In fact, Paul says that inside of him, meaning all of us, there is evil. The one who wants to do good, there is evil. And so there's a part of us that automatically wants to sin. That's the flesh. We'll talk more about that later. So we see this. The second is temptation sin, and the answer is no, it's not. It's not sin. To be tempted to, to something to pull us away, something to, to a thought come into your brain, or uh, something to look at, or something that you, somebody raises something like, uh, why don't you just do that, which would be wrong, and all of a sudden you think, well, I could do that. I mean, so temptation is not sin, because what we find in the Scripture is Jesus Christ, Hebrews 4.15, says that Jesus Christ, our great high priest, was tempted in all points, yet without sin. So temptation is not sin, but temptation, it's, it's according to how we respond to it. I mean, how we respond to temptation may result in sin. That's one of the things we talked about. Then we got to the big question is, where does temptation come from? And it really comes from our inside. Now, there's an aspect of it, and it's, there's, uh, James talks about that, that the temptation is not from God, but it's really our flesh. I think it's the weirdest thing because we realize that God doesn't tempt us to do evil, and yet there's inside of us a part of us that is attracted to the world, the flesh, the devil, everything, and, and we want to sin. And so it comes not from God, but it comes from ourselves. And we said the three big areas were the devil and the world system and the flesh. So this devil, which is this angel who controls the world system, which affects our flesh. And that's how it goes together. So the devil is real. He's a real angel. He's an adversary. That's what the devil means. Uh, Satan is adversary. Uh, he, the world system in which we live in has fallen. Uh, all we have to do, just, uh, just turn on television. Just turn on television for 10 minutes and you'll see it's a fallen world system. And then the last thing is the flesh, the inside, the pull, pull to do wrong. Now let me just tell you, how when I see this, I, I know that there's the big three. The devil controls the world, the world affects the flesh. But I'm going to tell you that the real thing, and this is where we spend most of our time when we do studies like this, when, we, uh, when I have the 2-2 class, we deal with a whole aspect of Christian life, and I spend one whole lesson basically on the flesh. We don't spend a whole lesson on the devil of the world, but we spend a whole lesson on the flesh because what really happens is the devil controls the world 
and the world affects our flesh. And that's where the issues come in for us. And, and one day when, when Jesus Christ changes us and we have a glorified body, we will not have a flesh. We will not have a natural bent to sin. It'll be totally different. Now, so that's, that's where we are. So we, James says this wisdom, this wisdom is, that does, comes down, it's not, from, it's not God's wisdom. It's earthly, that's the world. It's natural, that's the flesh. It's demonic, that's the devil. So James 3.15 gives us the three areas. So we started last time looking at the devil. And he, he's the most well-known, the most blamed, but really the problem is us. Ezekiel 48, Isaiah 20. Excuse me, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 is where you actually find the devil in the Old Testament and where he fell. He, uh, the five eye wheels of Satan, pride, he was lifted up. And we said this, and I wanted to touch on this just a little bit more, is we said that how does the devil, he wants to be seen by people in two different ways. Either that he's not real or that he's so real. Now, I, bet I talked to this man that's a, that's a friend of, of Gene. actually met him before I did, and, and we talk sometimes, and he doesn't believe there's a devil. He said, no, there's not a devil. There's no such thing as that. I mean, uh, you know, and, and so devil really wants people to think he doesn't exist so that he can influ influence them in an easier way. The second thing is that he wants some people to think he's so real that it paralyzes them because they think the devil is the same as God. I think there's this idea that people say there's good and bad, and the good is God and the bad is the devil. And they see that, and they see that there's this con conflict in all the world between good and bad. Uh, you know the yin yang, the, the idea that there, the idea that there's almost a force, which is Star Wars, Eastern mysticism. You know the forces within you. There's a good force and a bad force, and people look at that. But when people think about God and the devil, they say the God is the good side, and the devil is the bad side, and they look at it as if they're equal. They're not equal at all. God is God. God created everything. God has existed from all eternity. God is all powerful. God is all wise. God is everything. The devil is a created being by God who's an angel who is very powerful because angels are powerful beings. But this angel is not anywhere can, anywhere can be compared to the true living God. And when we talk about good and evil and one day there's this final battle and oh, I hope we win. Listen, all Jesus does is speak and it's over. It's, that's all it is. It, when you read Revelation uh, 19, open, verse 11, the heavens open, Jesus coming riding on the white horse, and the sword comes out of his mouth. The sword is the word of God, and he's speaking. When he speaks, that's the end. That's the end. And so the end of the Antichrist, the end of the false prophet, and Satan's thrown into a, to a pit for a thousand years. I mean, so it's not like a toss-up. It's not even close. It's not like one guy's ranked number two, one guy's ranked number nine. No, it, it's not close. So just remember that. So the devil wants to be seen as either he doesn't exist at all or that he's the same as God. Because what's his ultimate goal? What was his plan? What did he want to be? He wanted to be God. Yeah, that's, so that's the thing. He wants you to think of him in that way. The plan is to, to get mankind to go opposite. Now, Peter describes him as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Now, let me just say this, and we're going to get to it later on. But when you think about how to, how to have victory... We're going to look at some verses later on. We're going to see some things. But one of the things the Bible says to do, it says, put on the full armor of God so you can stand. And then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil doesn't mean go after the devil. 
It means put on the armor of God and stand strong. It says in Ephesians, it says stand about three different times. So stand, so stand, so stand. We're not going after the devil. There are a lot of charismatics. I've seen charismatic churches, charismatic believers think they're going to go name and claim the devil and they're going to go fight the devil and they're going to go get the devil in the name of Jesus. Jesus says "Don't. your goal is not to go get the devil. Your goal is to draw near to God as much as we can. He says put on the full armor of God so that you can stand, draw near to God, uh, uh, resist the devil, he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So when we talk, talk about this roaring lion, and we want to make, let me, oh, I want to see if I've got that one part. I've got it just a little bit, so we'll get to it, but I just want you to understand, but the devil is an angel, and he can only be at one place at one time. Now, he may be fast, but he's not omnipresent like God is. So this is, this is who he is. Now, <clears throat> he has a plan. We talked about this last week. And I just want to go over this because I want to make sure we got this one. He has a plan that's to stop a person from believing and stop a believer from serving. That's his plan. Now, ultimately, he wants to be God. And ultimately, he would like to rule the world. And he rules this fallen world, but he won't rule the, 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 the kingdom and he won't rule the eternal state or anything like that. But what he wants is he wants to stop a person from believing. And here's the thing. He has two things, a false gospel and a false message. And when I say a false gospel, there is there's an idea that he says that if you will do good, God will love you. That's the message we've heard forever. And, and this false message is it's, it's, it's goodness. It's goodness. You can, you can be your own God. That's really the message. So, first of all, a false gospel. Do good and God will love you. Now, there, how many people do you know that think somehow doing some good things somehow is going to get to God? All religion, all religions are from Satan. All religions are man trying to do something to get to God. And we're going to see people every day. There are people who go to churches in this town that think that by their going to church or being baptized or trying to do good or trying to live a good life, that somehow that has a part in their salvation. That is a false gospel. That's why when you read the book of Galatians, Paul writes and says, I'm amazed that you already turned away from the gospel to what another gospel, which he actually says, which is not another gospel. He says, you've turned away from the grace of God works because in Galatians they told him they had to keep the Mosaic law to be saved and that, that's just like somebody saying look y'all gotta you got certain things you need to do you, there's certain things you can't do certain things you can do if you continue to do these things you'll be saved that teaching is everywhere all over this town all over this world and every religion that you see whether it's in this country or religions all over the world they're all the same thing it's a false gospel it's also a false message and the false message is you are the master of your life. Your life is all about you. You get up, I deserve a break today. Uh, L'Oreal, because you deserve it, or whatever that company is. I don't know. It's always the same thing. It's, I am the center of my universe. And because Satan is the center of it, and he wants you to think that everything should revolve around you. That's the false message. The false gospel is do good and God will love you. You cannot do good and God already loves you. Okay, his false gospel, his false message is, be like God. You can be like God. We're going to see it. It won't be this morning. We're going to see it next time in which we see where uh, Satan tempts Eve. And what does he tell her to do? He tells her, you can be like God. God doesn't want any competition. The moment you eat that fruit, you will be like God. And she goes, 
Sounds like a good deal to me, right? And that's the message. And so we go all the way back to Genesis 3, and here's the thing. She, she, he wanted her to doubt God's love and doubt God's word. Now let me tell you, for unbelievers, doubt God's love, doubt God's word. For believers, he wants you to doubt God's love and doubt God's word. It's always the same message. If God loved you, wouldn't it turn out better? Wouldn't somebody have not got sick? Wouldn't there not have been this? Wouldn't things be better? Wouldn't you have not had these problems if God really loved you? Because that's what he said to her in the garden. He said, if God really loved you, wouldn't he let you eat from all the trees? Why is he holding back? God doesn't really love you or he wouldn't be holding back. Sometimes people say, if God really loved me, why did my uncle die when I was 10? Or why did my mother die when I was 11? Why did these things happen? If God really loved me, why would these things happen? And so he puts doubts in people's heads. The second thing is he wants us to doubt the Word of God. Because it's the only authority that we have. It's the authority. I had a friend come to see me uh, last week. And he's got, he's got a friend that's in with this group. And I forgot the name of the group, but they were a bunch of so-called theologians. And they had got together, and they took the New Testament, the Gospels, and they decided, as they studied it, what they thought Jesus actually said. So where Jesus might say in John 11, I'm the resurrection and the life, they would say, we don't think he said that. And they cut it down, and they came up with about 9%. Out of the 100% that we have of Jesus saying in the New Testament, they think only 9% is what Jesus actually said. And that later, after Jesus died and rose again, uh, but they don't believe he died and rose again. Later, after Jesus died, they believe that people wrote this stuff down. And so what they've done is destroy the Scripture. I mean, all you have to do is just say, uh, I believe this part's true, but I don't believe this part's true. Who's become the judge? Listen, either the Scripture judges us or we judge the Scripture. You understand that? And anybody that says to you, I don't believe Genesis is accurate. I don't believe Jonah was swallowed by a fish. I don't believe there was the parting of the Red Sea. But I do believe this over here. I say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, how do you know which part? Which, how, do, how do you determine? Which, see, because you're now determining what you think is the Bible and what you don't think is the Bible. And that's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to doubt God's Word. God's Word says the wages of sin is what? Death. The Bible says that if you believe in Jesus Christ, what do you have? Eternal life. How many people do you know that when you say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have what? And they say everlasting life. And we say, if you believe in Jesus, do you have everlasting life? I hope I do. Who, who are you doubting there? When you say, I hope I do, who are you doubting? You're doubting Jesus Christ and the Word of God. See, and that's what we get all the time. And Satan's plan is to do that. It is to do that, to, to, to give a false gospel, give a false message, doubt God's love, doubt God's Word. And it happens all the time. The second thing is he wants to stop a believer from serving. This is, this is, it's too late to stop us. We have eternal life. Now, whether, whether a Christian even understands they have eternal life or not, because there are a lot of believers who put their faith in Christ, and then they're confused, and somebody's told them that you could lose it, or somebody told them you can't know you have it yet, or somebody said, well, you've got to wait to the end of your life and see if you made it. And so there are people who are actually believers who are confused and don't know if they're saved, but the point is they are saved. It's too late. He can't stop us uh, from going to heaven or having eternal life, but what he wants to do is stop you from serving. And how does he do that? He does it all kind of ways. He, he, he has put, he has had a mindset 
that who does the ministry in a local church? What's his mindset? Pastor does all the ministry, not y'all. You don't do anything. You just come. You come and sit there and walk out. And hopefully you learn something. And that's his plan for you. He said, oh, they don't need to get involved. They don't need to use their gifts, talents, abilities. They don't need to serve. They don't need to believe God. They don't need to study the Bible. We don't want them doing all that stuff. I'm going to get them so busy in this fallen world that they're going to be so attracted by everything out there, they would say something like, I wish I had time to really study the Bible. And so that's his plan. And he pulls people contrary to the Bible, and uh, it's, it's there. Then we got one other thing. We're running out of time, so I'm going to finish this one, and then we'll get into the other lesson next time. But look at this. He, he, he's, he's an angel. He's not omnipresent. So if you were to say, the devil is after me, after you, then just realize what you're saying is, at that time, you believe you're, I mean, I don't mean in a bad way, but you're the most important person in the world. Because he's after you individually above any other human being that exists on the face of the earth. Now, he might be because you, I look around this room, there's some pretty special people here. But the bottom line is this, he usually goes after world leaders. That's why we need to pray for our leaders. Because they're the ones that can influence and the things they do affect all kind of people. And so, he, angel's not uh, omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. He is the ruler of this world. Now, people don't understand that. John 12, 31, I told you to turn there. It says this. Jesus says, now that judgment is come upon this world, now the ruler of this world has been cast out. He's talking about Satan. Satan's been cast out. Jesus is talking about when he goes to the cross and dies on the cross and pays for sin. The whole issue of Satan who has access to God, we can see that in the book of Job. There's going to come a time he loses access to God. Satan can't go back to see God anymore. And he, ruler of this world, has been cast out. He is the ruler of the world. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he is called the God of this age. Have you ever wondered, and I know time is up, have you ever wondered this? How could Satan... Do you, okay, give me the idea. Help me, help me on this. Satan tempted Jesus, didn't he? Yet, no sin, right? Okay, what were the temptations? There were three of them. Okay, okay. One was what? Change the what? He said, take these stones, make them bread, because you're hungry. And that he wanted him to bypass God's plan. And he said, no, 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 man live, doesn't live by bread alone. Okay, what was the second one? He said, if you'll just jump off the... The pinnacle of the temple was a big high corner of the temple. is about a hundred and something feet down. He said, what I want you to do is jump off, because there is a verse that says, he will protect your feet from stones. Okay? So Satan says, you jump off, you'll land at the bottom, you won't even be hurt. People will look at you and they'll go, wow And what did he say? Don't put your God to the what? I don't, I don't have to be seen. I'm going to show that I'm God, not by jumping off the side of a building. Right? What was the third one? He took him to a high place and showed him all the what? The kingdoms of this world. And what did he say to him? If you will bow down to me, I will give you those kingdoms. Why didn't Jesus say, you don't have those kingdoms? Because he does have those kingdoms. God has allowed Satan to be the God of this age and the ruler of this fallen world. Now, it's temporary, but he is. So when Satan said, I'll give you the kings of the world, he said, I'm going to worship the Lord our God only. Nobody else. Get out of here. And he left for an opportune time. So he never stopped 
tempting Jesus. We just think he tempted him that one time in the world. He didn't. He tempted him a bunch of times. Always there. I mean, think about in the garden. What did Jesus say? If it's possible, what? Let this cup pass. But however, no, nevertheless, that will. So Satan, uh, we got to stop here. So he's the ruler of this age. So there's the temptation, the pull to sin. Temptation is not sin. Temptation comes to the devil, the world, and the flesh. We've been looking at the devil. We need to have an understanding of temptation, what it is. It's a pull. It's in every one of us. It's in our mind. It starts within. It starts with our flesh. It's connected to this world around us. It's all of these things. So understand what temptation is. Second, have an understanding of the sources of temptation. What are the sources of temptation? The world, the devil, and the flesh. And what's the main one that seems to affect us? It's the flesh, because the flesh is attracted to this world, and the world is controlled by Satan. So, and then here we go. Be on guard. For the wiles of the devil. He's so tricky. He's so tricky. He is, I, I, I have to say again and again and again, and I don't, we cannot comprehend how good God is. We, we, it's just, he's so good beyond us. He does exceedingly beyond what we could ask or imagine. We just can't conceive of how good God really is. At the same time, we can't conceive of how evil Satan really is. If you could think of the most evil thing you could ever think of as not even in the league with Satan, he is that evil.